Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Jimmy's Hall, Trainwreck, The True Cost, Blade Runner, The Final Cut, Learning to Drive, The End of the Tour, and more. And at the E-Bar, Piccadillo play on October 1st, and on October 2nd, Gregory Pepper and his Problems celebrate the release of their excellent new record, Chorus, 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 with the Stu Gun Band and So Young opening up the show. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Beach Comic. On this episode, two separate interviews with two separate members of the new supergroup, FFS. This features members of Franz Ferdinand and Sparks, two excellent bands. And on this show, you're going to hear an interview with Russell Mail of Sparks. And you'll hear more about who they are and what Sparks is, if you don't know, very soon. You're going to hear from Russell Mail and also the lead singer and a guitarist in Franz Ferdinand, Alex Kapranos. So Alex... And Russell. Russell and Alex, actually, is the order you're going to hear them in. And you're going to hear new music by Sparks as well on this show, so stick around for that. I love this record. I, it was very unexpected. Part of a plan to be a surprise on some level. You'll hear when we uh, when you get to the Alex part of the uh, uh, part of the show. Just a quick note. Uh, since recording these interviews uh, and their introductions, I, I should point out that the venue for their forthcoming Toronto show has changed from the Sound Academy to the Phoenix. So FFS are playing at the Phoenix on September 30th, if you hear this in time. And if not, doesn't matter. shouldn't matter. In any event, I just want to clarify that, and I want you to now sit or stand or do whatever you need to do and listen to myself and Russell and Alex from FFS and new music by FFS. Great record, great band. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. You get the run around from him, run around from her, run around, around, around. You get the run around 
get the put you down from him, put you down from her, the always, always put you down. You get the shake you down from him, the shake you down from her, the always, always shake you down. Get to the point and put to the open door. Get right to the point and there's the door. Tell everybody to piss off tonight. Or they should piss off and leave you alone in your world tonight. Most will listen, take the hint. Know that this ain't a Russell Mail is a very talented musician and singer who originally hails from Culver City, California. Along with his brother Ron, he formed the pioneering electropop and prototypical new wave band Sparks in the early part of the 1970s and went on to achieve chart success and develop a loyal following. Musicians in particular have been drawn to the instrumental and lyrical daring of Sparks, who frequently set trends just by operating outside of the conventions of rock music and experimenting with sounds and theatricality. The popular Scottish band Franz Ferdinand certainly views Sparks as mentors, and mutual admiration has led the two to a remarkable collaboration called FFS, whose self-titled debut came out this past June via Domino Records and will certainly stand as one of the finest albums of 2015. FFS are on a world tour that brings them to Toronto Sound Academy on September 30th, and in here now to discuss it is Russell Mail. Uh, Russell, how are you? Oh, good, thank you. Yeah. Nice to speak Speaking with you. to you from Zurich, Switzerland. Now, what? As we are on tour. So. You're on tour. How are things in Zurich? Uh, they're fine. We actually just arrived yesterday. We arrived from Tokyo. We we did a big festival there, uh, which was really amazing. And then we flew direct from Tokyo to Zurich. So we're, the jet lag is starting to pile up as we're speaking <laughs> but uh yeah we managed to get through it <laughs> what was the name of the festival in japan was it the fuji yeah we did summer sonic this year we, we okay. played the other one fuji rock which you were gonna you were gonna mention i believe yeah yeah and this this year we did uh the other the competing festival which is called summer sonic so how are you finding this you're you're playing to i, I is this is your band is sparks used to playing festivals uh, playing to general audiences as opposed to people coming to just see you well, I mean, we're we're not as used to it um, as Franz Ferdinand are. We, you know, we have a really loyal and rabid fan base, but we, you know, in the past we haven't done as many of the high-profile festivals as we're doing on this tour. So it's been a really, you know, really great uh, experience and, you know, sometimes different experience for us to be able to play to audiences that maybe in the past some might not even know Sparks, or uh, they've heard of Sparks but have never seen us play. So we're really getting to increase our, uh, you know, the fan base for Sparks by by doing what we're doing with with FFS. It's really been great. Yeah. Now, based on your experience and you know the longevity of of your of your work with Sparks, have you come to find any typification of your audience? Like when you, I feel like you you make music that people who with discerning tastes and pop fans sh- should gravitate towards, but for whatever reason, the band is still sort of considered a cult band, so to speak. When you're playing before a general audience, are you seeing your perceptions of who might be into what you're doing expanding? Yeah, well, I think I think so, just by the the nature of the situation with, with FFS, with the two bands having formed this new entity, we're finding that, and, and we're doing a few, we're, basically we're, doing the FFS album live. We wanted to, that to be the focus, but we are doing a couple songs from either band's back catalog as well. And so, you know, we're finding that, you know, people that maybe weren't aware so much of Sparks, they're now being introduced and they're actually, you know, going back and investigating, going, well, how did I not know about this band that has 23 albums out? And so we are really reaching this new audience and everybody has been, you know, from... The, the people that are maybe coming more from Franz Ferdinand's camp, they're actually really embracing Sparks now, and it's been a you know, really great experience. So that that you're dealing a little bit there with, or delving into, rather, reception, um, at least from a, an audience perspective. What has surprised you the most about about the overall reception, critics and, and listeners and fans and people at festivals and, and concerts? 
about that yeah, reception well, and also the execution of this partnership with FFX, FFS. I almost say, I want to say FFX because it sounds <laughs> like special effects kind of. Right. I don't know why, but is there something, yeah. can you kind of... Hold? Yeah, well, I mean, the the first thing is it it's just been so universally embraced, uh, this album and the collaboration. And it's, you know, we did it just for... There was a real passion about just wanting to do something special and do something that was kind of a precedent where two fully formed bands actually unite together, compose a whole album of new material, and then actually take that on the road. And we can't think of many other incidents where precedents where this has happened. And so just having done that was the main motivation, was just to do something that we all felt was really special. But then as a byproduct that the reception to the album has been so strong everywhere in the world where we've gone and we've really we've toured quite a bit already with this and we we're only about halfway through yeah and it's been so universally accepted the album and then we didn't know how the live you know the live perception would be either and that has just gone you know kind of beyond anybody's expectations it's just been so amazing we keep going wow uh I guess they liked us. <laughs> so, it, you know, both critically and also just the audiences. We played in, like I mentioned, in, in Tokyo the other night, and it was it was about 20,000 people. And, you know, you know, really going just crazy for the, for the new album and stuff. And so it's, you know, it's just really satisfying knowing that you're doing something that you, you think yourself is, is, is really good in your own terms. And then when you find out that they're, there's a lot of people out there that also agree with you. It's just, it's really satisfying. You mentioned that you're doing things that maybe you're not so used to, but maybe Franz Ferdinand are, that in terms of playing bigger festivals and things like that. The second part of my question sort of relates to that. What about the execution? What about the the actual execution of the logistics to make this partnership and and union work? What about that has surprised you in terms of, how easy or difficult it might have been uh, before. No, it's all gone. It's all gone really smoothly. We just get along really well with all the guys in Prince Ferdinand for starters. So there's not an issue in that area at all. We like each other. And then you know we the whole process took place actually from you know long distance. We live in Los Angeles, and they all share their time between uh, Glasgow and London. And so it was all done six thousand miles apart. The whole composing hmm. process where hmm. we would come up with a lot of the songs just on our own and send it to them and they had a couple that they had from their side but um, you know a lot of them ones like uh, Johnny Delusional Piss Off uh, Save Me For Myself Dictator's Son Power Couple those were all written by Ron and, and then there was a couple from their side like a uh, uh, little guy from the suburbs was written by Alex, and then there were a couple that were sort of hybrid mm-hmm. songs where they had an instrumental only track, and then they would send it to us, and then we came up with the melody and the lyrics for it. So it was kind of a unique process of you know how we how we worked on the whole album, and then once we decided on that all of those songs were liked by both sides, then we rehearsed in London with them for about two weeks, and then went in and really recorded the album really fast after that but it was only after having prepared for probably 11 months before the album just to uh, come up with enough good material I was reading that you in Sparks initiated contact with Franz Ferdinand as far back as maybe 2004 is it true that you sent them a version of the song Piss Off? Yeah, yeah we we wrote that song just especially for a collaboration with them and then at that time just logistically it wasn't possible for them. They got really busy, and then we also had projects going on at the same time. So it just we'd written that song then, and um, it finally saw the light of day eleven years later when we dragged it out of mothballs and 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 re re-recorded it. But you know, it sounds surprisingly the the version that's on the album surprising like the demo that we. Ron and I had made 11 years ago. So, uh, in, in some cases, it would be thought of as somewhat presumptuous for one band to send another band a song, <laughs> can you, and be like, hey, we have a song for you. Is th- That wasn't the, you you clearly had initiated contact before that, or were you just like, because I think they were vocal about their 
their their love of you guys and did you just hear that and say hey you know we we've heard things here's a thing yeah no it it was it was down a little bit more uh uh not so not so hurriedly it was you know we we had read that they were fans of sparks so we actually arranged to meet up with them when they came to LA on the okay. first tour that they did and we got together with them and then just, when we finished the meeting with them or the social get together with them we just said hey you know sometime we should try doing something together and they said god yeah it would be amazing and so it took 11 years for it to finally happen but in the, but right after that in that meeting we had written the song piss off and so it, it wasn't that we had uh written something prior to even getting to know them a little bit yeah you, after that meeting you've had remarkable collaborators over the over the years and and i think some of them are contemporaries is this the first time you reached out to a band that is from a different generation and and suggested that uh maybe tapping into you, you were you know basically essentially saying i think we're tapping into a similar similar in- energy here have had you done that before well, we've, we've worked with some other bands in the past, but not to this extent. We'd worked with the the French band, they Ritamit Suko, and we had done a couple songs on their album, one which was a big hit in France called Singing in the Shower. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. We worked with Faith No More before, but it was Faith No More covering with us, with us collaborating with them, just playing on it and me singing, but doing two Spark songs um, on one of their albums right um so we we work with some other bands but this is actually a really exceptional situation where we've written all new songs and with the tent being a you know a complete album so it's it's more it's just really deeper and more extensive the whole um thing and also both bands sort of thrusting themselves into this this whole new entity is something that you know it's it's a lot more extensive than we had done with any band sure sure sparks has been credited with anticipating musical trends and i'm curious how much of that stems from actual soothsaying and how much is that the end result of you guys just being bored with what you're seeing and hearing uh in the in 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 front of you (laughs) yeah i mean it's basically more the latter that we just you know we we just we've had a long career we have 23 albums and so you always want to kind of be trying to come up with some new wrinkle to what you're doing that is more you know is challenging to both yourself and also hopefully challenging to our audience as well and so we always just want to try to within the context of what we do within Ron's lyrical style and his compositional style and with my singing which are sort of givens, but to try to find new ways, new context to place those in, and to always be just trying to come up with new new angles for what we're doing. And mm-hmm. so we think we've done that in the past, and the, you know, Sparks fans really appreciate that they can't quite know exactly what we might do the next time. You know, we work with Giorgio Moroder in in the late '70s after we'd been strictly a you know more of a rock band format we abandoned all that and went totally electronic and we were you know the first band to work with Giorgio Moroder coming mm-hmm. from a band context as opposed to a you know a solo singer and that was a really at the time was seen as a really bold kind of move and you know and we've done more recently the last album we had done prior to the FFS album was a a musical so we're always just trying to what we're do- what we're doing in different sort of contexts, and I think the FFS album is you know another example of that, where we just wanted to try to do something that would kind of shake up things. Yeah, absolutely. What do you make of the? the there's been a rather, I'd say it's fair to say there's been a bit of a renaissance in interest for Giorgio Moroder in the last few years. Have you? What do you make of that? Yeah, I think it's really curious because he was sort of even out of music for the longest time we're still we're still really good friends with Giorgio and we keep in touch with him hmm. you know often and you know he was as surprised as anybody that he got the call from Daft Punk to take part on that of that album and there was just it's just one of those things that you can't predict you know just as a result of that contact by them that he kind of became really fashionable again as of late uh <laughs> and it was just surprising to him you know yeah can you relate to that on some level with this project with ffs 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it is something where you know you you're doing the same, not the same thing that you always do, but you're you know you're put into a different situation. But musically, it's kind of you know what you've been doing in a general way all along, and just when it's put in a different sort of context, it's just really interesting to see you know that there are other people out there in the world that maybe haven't yet heard what it what you do you yeah, know and it's yeah. really shocking just after 23 albums that 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 exists but it's really also really satisfying to know that what we're doing and what we're writing now um can reach you know new younger fans that weren't aware of the band and it's only because of the context that it's put in that we're we're being you know we can have those new sort of outlets to reach more people so it's you know it's a really positive situation. No, it's it's positive. Yes, for sure. I just want. I mean, in 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 the case of Giorgio, you had mentioned that he was kind of done, uh, and and got the call, whereas you have always yeah. been a going concern, really. Yeah. Well, that that's the difference. And he was you know he was very content to be done because he's you know had a really you know been really successful and he you know was dabbling in you know art and painting and various things just to bide his time and then lo and behold he gets a call from two french guys and uh <laughs> he's back now being a uh perceived as being a really hot a hot uh older dj <laughs> <laughs> absolutely now how would you we were we were speaking earlier about how you and your brother might be making music in some ways as a reaction to other people's music um and trying to distinguish yourselves how would you describe the popular music of the day when you and ron first started contemplating being in a band in California? No, we always just, we were real Anglophiles and really liked a lot of what we heard coming from from the UK as opposed to what we heard in our hometown of LA. And so, you know, we were fortunate enough to get an offer to go and move to England and do the Kimono My House album mm-hmm. there that was really... Uh, really well received and it really put sparks on the map and so you know at that time I think you know an album like that was given a chance um, on the radio and all you know the song This Town Ain't Big Enough for both of us is really for it to be a hit single is a really unconventional song in so many ways and so it, it would seem really difficult for a song like that to now make it onto you know top 40 kind of radio and stuff so i think you know things have really changed and maybe in not such a good way things have become a lot more conservative as far as what radio plays and that sort of thing it seems as consumers we we know a lot more about the business aspect of music than we used to like we kind of know numbers and figures and and you know metrics uh, do you think that impacts the way we relate to music no i think it's really unhealthy cuz all that all that stuff is really unimportant it's really not what it's all about and that's that's the sad thing is that there's so much of the uh you know like you said everybody's aware of you know even in when it, you know extends to movies and all you like you know what you know the uh the box office for certain movies and it's not about any of that that's that's the whole other thing that you know it's for business people to deal with and you know the whole thing about being creative is supposed to be about your art and what you do and when it becomes when that side of it becomes as equally uh, you know interesting or as important as the creative side of it it's just it's it's really kind of everything sort of lost sight of where you know the focus should be it hasn't always been this way right i mean this is an amp this, this is i think in the day back in the day probably when you guys would have started certainly there were charts certainly there were measurements of success and and that's what you would aim for on some level but i don't know like this this is clearly an amplified version of where the, the world we're living in now where everything is view counts and you know listens and, and whatever that's different I think so. And I, mean, I think it's really different. Yeah. Does that impact Sparks's interest in per- continuing on in any way? Like, oh, only uh, no. I mean, we we just have blinders on and work in our own little world and all that stuff. If people choose in other bands, even or any other media, choose to make that a priority or have any kind of importance to them, then then it, it's it's why 
things in a general kind of way are, are even musically more conservative now is because everybody is they are concerned with you know how many views you have how many you know just the more that that side of it that's got nothing to do with creating something and it, you just have to if you're worried about that side of it then you you know you're never going to come up with anything fresh and exciting musically yeah because it, it's just not about that at all you and your brother both have uh as far as i know anyway film and theater studies backgrounds and and, and much is made of the kind of theatrical aspect of sparks live and and even in terms of the arrangements can you talk about how those backgrounds impact what you and your brother do yeah i mean we're both just uh you know we really like cinema a lot and especially when we we're both going to ucla and really you know i was in the film school there and he's in design and and you know we we just like film a lot and and sort of making music and is our way of being able to make little mini films in a certain way but with a much smaller budget than you need to make a uh, a full-fledged film and so you know we've always just really liked cinema you know a lot and uh, we're even working on two film musical projects at the moment one i mentioned that it's our last album which was called the sex of ingmar bergman and mm-hmm. It was, it's a musical that we're going to be doing as a feature film, and there's a second one that we've also written that uh, is brand new that's going to be directed by a French director. And, and um, so we're we really, really like, especially to be able to combine music with with cinema and think that, that uh, it's something that, you know, we dabbled in from time to time but for the next next couple of projects that we have two in mind that we're going to be uh you know it's going to be getting more into that area uh, not at the exclusion of other stuff but yeah we have those projects going on that sounds interesting there's been a long rumored tim burton collaboration yeah it's um it's oh, a long saga that was actually <laughs> the first musical that we wrote for him it's called my the psychic girl based on a japanese manga and um, it's still in Tim's development camp. So, you know, at some some point in the future, uh, he's threatened to uh, <laughs> threatened to that he's going to make it actually happen. We've it's been it's been going on now since for since the uh, early nineties. Yeah, the, uh, it's not uh, dead. It's in development. It's in theory. No, it's, in, th- in theory, it could happen. In theory, it could happen. Yeah, we've <laughs> met with him again more recently, and it's still in his catalog of uh you know projects and development so we'll see what happens Uh, beyond the 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 cinematic quality the theatrical quality i think sparks is credited with really infusing music or rather (laughs) humor in your music sometimes humor and music gets short shrift sometimes people don't take it seriously or they assume the band is in itself a joke can you talk about how yeah i i mean what you just said is you know kind of hitting it right on the head that when there is humor ever, any, at any time in, in what you're doing musically or lyrically, then it's sometimes perceived that it can't have substance or depth to it because it's too, you know, lightweight and, and we never see things in those terms. We we think that there's often different levels of of uh, in, within the lyrics that where things can have a humorous element to it, but there's also another side to it that's also you know, more deep or poignant as well. And, and so we think that there there is a place for humor within music, and it doesn't mean that the music is any less substantial. Do you have any view or perspective, rather, on why some people downplay the value of humor in music? Well, I think that there's always this thing that if, you know, if you're writing what, what people might assume is like earnestness there's a certain earnestness to you know if you have love themes all the time that are more conventional that that that's being earnest but if you maybe even talk about a you have a love theme but it's done in an unconventional way and maybe with some humor that 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 it's less you know less uh substantial and from our standpoint it's just that you know, a lot of that stuff is just hackneyed and cliched uh, ways of dealing with, say, a love song. That there's a way to, you know, if you want to write about a love, you know, a 
love issues, you can do it also in ways that are fresh and unique, and mm-hmm. sometimes that may include having some humorous elements, but it doesn't make it any less, um, you know, substantial. And so I think a lot of times things that are more hackneyed or trite sometimes are taken in the wrong way, that they're taken as being, having a more seriousness to them and it's I don't know I, I never can understand that yeah it doesn't make any sense does it I mean there's more there's more substance in Mr. Delusional or Call Girl or or any of the songs on the FFS record that sort of delve into these ideas of romance but from unique angles they seem oh, more substantial than, than half the stuff I hear oh I'm I'm glad you said that I appreciate it because that's exactly how we see it and Johnny Delusional is a really good example right Johnny Delusional sorry <laughs> yeah and it's, a, it's a really you know it's a poignant song but you someone might think oh that's kind of humorous a guy named Johnny Delusional but in fact it's this you know kind of a sad story about a guy never being able to uh, to kind of make the match that he hopes that he that he, that he can uh, you know that he's trying for and so it's actually kind of a sad song yeah, yeah. I was I was watching the Glastonbury Festival performance by FFS on YouTube, and I was struck by how energetic you were on stage, and also by how relatively sedate your your brother was. Uh, your brother uh, is known for having this unique presence on stage. It's usually very intense. Uh, and any in any case, I was curious about how your performance mode in sp- shifted from Sparks to FFX because you're. You're you're balancing your your work and the way you're approached with that of a younger band. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't. I think that we're that Ron and myself are pretty much doing what we always have done stage-wise in you know within the context of Sparks as well. And I think it's just we have some other people to interact with on stage that we didn't before, who are all really good on stage as well. And so. Um, maybe the contrast between their all of their personalities and ours maybe each one enhances the other or something but but i think basically we're ron has always been that stoic sort of character on stage and i've been more the outgoing type so um <laughs> uh, yeah it's your your physicality in that performance and i presume on this tour it's really remarkable you you're very you're moving you're kinetic, but you're hitting these notes, and it's, uh, I'm very impressed by it. Oh, thanks. It's <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a lot of work uh, because I, I, you know, take, I mean, I appreciate what you said. I just take pride in, you know, being able to... Um, to sing uh, on key, and you know, if you if you move around a lot too, you know, it's it's harder to uh, you know you get winded and stuff. And yeah, so totally, it's harder to sing um, as um, you know as well as if you're you know if you're standing obviously and not moving, it's a lot easier. But in any case, I like to I take pride in you know just being able to sing well uh, and. Uh, so I'm <laughs> glad if it's reaching if it's if it's coming across that way it's uh, I'm doing my job properly. No, it's 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 really fascinating. I can't wait to see the band uh, in Toronto myself. Now, yeah, yeah. Well, we're looking forward to coming there, so it's going to be exciting. Uh, before we go, I do want to ask yeah. about working with Alex and and collaborating. Uh, this song collaborations don't work is so amazing. 
and uh, it's so funny uh, and self-aware. And I just am curious about the process of working. You mentioned earlier that it's been a transatlantic kind of uh, yeah. thing. Um, but can you talk a little bit about actually finding common ground creatively with this band and with Alex and how that's working? Yeah, well, like I mentioned earlier, there are you know, certain songs we'd come up with on our own and there were a few that they had come up with and that that song specifically collaborations don't work was the first song that was written that we we came up with after piss off um after we re reconnected with the franz ferdinand guys and we sent them them that song intact and we said you know we it's we thought well both from a lyrical perspective we just thought it was uh had an interesting quality bearing in mind what we were about to embark on yeah. and that just also musically it was pretty challenging and so they really responded to it positively and really liked it and Alex did write that one section that, that uh, says I ain't no collaborator that section is, is from him as sort <laughs> of his uh, rebuttal to our whole opus yeah so, uh, yeah. yeah. so I mean so they, they really appreciated the uh, both the sentiment behind it and also the musicality to the song and uh yeah so that it's been a really great you know uh you know just creative uh you know relationship with them in terms of your output have we heard those of us who have listened to this record have we heard everything that you both have come up with to to this point were there songs that didn't make it onto the record there's a few songs that didn't make it onto the album that um just because we had, you know, we were pretty prolific when, you know, when when the process started of writing. So we we have a few things that Ron and I have written that were in the, that didn't get recorded for the album that we had waiting and were proposed to the guys and everybody liked them, but maybe for one reason or another, like there was one song too many of a certain, you know, whatever, type, tempo, whatever. So we, there, uh, there's some extra songs that, at some point, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get to okay in this, some form or another. This project might have a future beyond this record. Is that we, it's hard to know where it's headed? Uh, as it says in the the lyric to the song, "Collaborations don't work." Uh, where is this damn thing a going? <laughs> you don't know, and you mentioned don't know. you mentioned for Sparks there are musicals in the offing um, potentially yeah. as projects. Is there anything else? Yeah, no. I mean, for the moment, that's the next. Uh, stuff that we have you know that's already actually finished mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. the the music to them is finished so those things are moving along both on an independent track from each other and then you know we don't we'll see what happens beyond that for sparks okay yeah. cool well once again the self-titled debut by ffs is a tremendous one it's out now via domino records and their world tour brings them to toronto sound academy on september 30th and for more information about these things, please visit ffsmusic.com. Russell, is there a song from the new record that we can go out on? Why don't you play the the song we talked about, Johnny Delusional? Johnny Delusional. Now, this this kicks off the record. Is there? Is this why you chose it? Is it's a nice first impression? Yeah, it seemed to encapsulate a lot about the tone of this album. So I think it kind of. If you have to play one song only, I would. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, good, a good choice. Okay, this is uh, Johnny Delusional by FFS. Uh, Russell, this was a, a great honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for your time and uh, the best yeah, of luck. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll uh, we're looking forward to coming to Toronto. Words are in my head, but I can't enunciate them clearly. Headphones on your head, they prevent a chance to even try Some might find me borderline attractive from afar But afar is not where I can stay and there you are Though I want you
work, they don't work. Collaborations don't work. They don't work, they don't work. Collaborations don't work. They don't work, they don't work. I'm gonna do it all by myself. I'm gonna do it all by myself. Collaborations don't work. They don't work, they don't work. Collaborations don't work. Alex Kapranos is a very talented musician and singer who originally hails from Glasgow, Scotland. In 2002, he co-founded the band Franz Ferdinand, who remain one of the most popular and influential rock bands in the world. Among their fans are Ron and Russell Mayle of the inspiring band Sparks, and this mutual admiration has led to the remarkable collaboration FFS, whose self-titled debut came out this past June via Domino Records, and will certainly stand as one of the finest albums of 2015. FFS are on a world tour that brings them to Toronto's Phoenix on September 30th, and here now to discuss it is Alex Kapranos. Uh, hi, Alex. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Now, where in the world are you today? I'm in London. Uh, I'm here for a couple of days before I come over to uh, North America. I'm going to go to New York for a few days and up to Toronto for our first gig. Nice. That's great. And Now, when you come to Canada... Do you try to make a special effort to meet with Nardwar, the human serviette? I do like Nardwar, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he interviewed us on one of our, possibly our very first trip to Vancouver, and we've stayed in touch over the years. Yeah, an incredible mind, Nardwar. Uh, uh, one of the most exceptional knowledges of music I've ever come across. Right. Yeah, he, he, is, he is a remarkable man, but, uh, and I'm sure he'd love to see you. Are you planning to go to Vancouver uh, on this trip? We're not going to make Vancouver, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, do, I hope we do get to see each other. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll give him a shout see what he's up to. <laughs> now, what has surprised you the most about uh, both the reception to and the execu- execution of this partnership with, with FFS? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, um, the reaction, I, I, I don't know if any of us really had any idea what the reaction was going to be. Um and we weren't really thinking about it while we were executing the record as well, because we just started off writing some songs, sending songs back and forward, and we didn't know where it was going to take us. We we, we would uh, start off with, uh, they sent us an idea for a song, and, and we sent them an idea for a song. And before we knew it, we had a half a dozen or so, then a few more than that. And then we said, oh, it's quite a lot here. Should we maybe do a record? And and said, yeah, okay, let, let's do an album. And so we didn't tell anybody, we didn't even tell the label that we were up to anything until we had a, a full album, so some material. And even then, we, we kept it to ourselves and we were recording. And it wasn't until it was all out recorded and ready to go that we actually told the world. And And I think that's... Well, for me, anyway, it's, it's it's the best way to undertake any project because that way you don't feel you have to meet the expectations of the outside world. Nobody is judging you as you are creating. It's only afterwards, and then and so it, it's cool because it, it maybe 
it frees you up a little bit. You know, you, you, you're, you're, not, you're not worried about whether you're going a little bit too far off an expected course with a particular song or a particular idea. Oh, it, was, it was a good way to work. Now, was that secrecy something... I was trying to, trying to figure out what you meant there. Was the, the discovery of the beauty of secrecy something that occurred during the FFS sessions, or is that something you'd employed uh, in Franz Ferdinand or other projects? It is something that I like, you know. Um, I, I, I do like to keep ourselves to ourselves and not, not tell too many people about what, what your ideas are until you have executed them because, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to not let, yeah, let other people's expectations mold what you're doing. Um, with this one, it kind of came about it's just the way it evolved as well, really. You know, we just started off the work and didn't really plan for it to be secret, but it just ended up that way, mainly because we didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah, and that's 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 it's sort of like you started a brand new band. I mean, you literally did start a brand new band. <laughs> well, that, that, that's what it does feel like. It, it's funny because all of the members of our old bands are in this new band, but you know, it's it's not. Franz Ferdinand featuring Ron and Russell and it's not Sparks featuring me on vocals or anything like that. It is a completely new band and uh, it's been kind of kind of fun doing that. And also, if, uh, as we were going along, we kind of realized that there aren't really many examples of a band like this either. You know, the there were all those kind of super groups of the, the late 1960s, early 70s, but even then, they they seem to be more one member of one group getting together with a member of another and then bringing in somebody for, from a third group. Uh, this was two complete entities coming together to form something completely new. Well, you, you you certainly kind of speak to that with the song Collaborations Don't Work, um, which, I mean, I was curious about... It's one thing to be mutual fans and to collaborate here and there, but this prospect of writing with Sparks... Uh, can you talk a little bit about why it seems to work? What, what? Because I know you have some things in common. I know you both are fans of one another. Is that all it was? Why did this collaboration actually work? Yeah, this is one of the first songs that we we worked on together, and. In a way, it was cool that it was the first one because it, the song kind of addresses all the issues that collaborating can produce. And uh, I, I think addressing them straight on right at the beginning and with a sense of humor, you know, it, it made the whole collaborating process a, a lot easier. What about the sense of, of humor in music? I don't know that humor in music is often given its due respect. Uh, it's often viewed as a novelty. Sparks are remarkable at infusing their work with sort of a, a cynicism, a sardonic edge. You uh, do this as well. Why do you suppose, or rather, do you suppose humor gets short shrift among critics and fans? I, I think that often musicians uh, and, and songwriters particularly are, are, are terrified of humor because I'd say with, with the way that we write and the way that Sparks write, we don't really write humorous songs, but there are elements of humor within the song. So say, for example, a, a song like Johnny Delusional, it, it might be quite a dark song itself, uh, you know, about sort of like the darkest form of uh, infatuation. Uh, but it's got a, a line like, some might find me borderline attractive from afar, which I don't know if it makes everybody laugh, it certainly makes me laugh. And I, I, I feel it's, it's more just, we like to approach songwriting the same way that we approach life, which is that um, it, it has light and shade to it, uh, that you can have darker elements and you can have humor within the, the, the same piece, the same piece of work. And uh, because, if anything, it just reflects the, the life that's around about us. And uh, it, it's weird as well because I, I often meet up with friends of mine that are musicians and other bands that are extremely dark and sometimes they're the funniest folk around but I, I kind of wonder why does that get lost when you when you you know when you come to write your music and you only concentrate on this one aspect of your personality I, I think it's good to have all of it in there I think people are afraid to seem less than serious I think you're right I, I, I think you're right I think it's because there's this idea that if you if you pull humor in there, it somehow trivializes the subject matter. And I, I strongly disagree with that. I think you can still have humor and still have a, 
um, a seriousness of intent with your with your writing. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite lines on the record is in that same song you referenced, this paging Mr. Delusional, you're wanted at the front desk. That's funny. Oh, yes. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I think the record's fantastic. Uh, what is it? You, I've read what you about your discovery of Sparks. I believe you found they were in a stack of singles that you discovered somewhere, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I, I guess when I was from my teens onwards, uh, the way the way I used to discover music of the past in a pre-internet age was to to go to second-hand shops and particularly there was a big flea market in Glasgow and I would go down and I'd buy a stack of records and take them back and listen to them and see what I liked and see what I didn't like and that way discover things and one particular time I came back with a stack of 45s didn't like any of them apart from this one bizarre song which is called Amateur Hour by this band I, I didn't really know anything about called Sparks and yeah from there from that one song it led me on to their, their whole career and I discovered that not only were they a band from the 70s but they were a contemporary band at that time in the 90s and uh, they'd just released gratuitous sax and senseless violins so mm -hmm. and well not only contemporaries of the 70s and 90s but of the 2010s as well they're, they're a, a band with a remarkably long career do you, do you have a sense of why they aren't more well known given how inventive innovative they're often ahead of their time do you have a sense of why this isn't really celebrated by people I mean this I think your collaboration with them is certainly going to open sparks up to a whole new audience and I think it's already done that but do you have a sense of why this hasn't resonated with more people yeah I, I, and I know that personally that was part of the motivation for for embarking on this, this collaboration for us it was just a, saying you know here's this great band and uh, of course we want to work with them because we, we like them as a creative force but it would be great for other people to find out about what it is they've done before as well um, as for why I don't know you know I, I, I think in some ways they're, they're quite awkward uh, and they're not exactly they don't necessarily follow the most obvious commercial uh, path that, that, that other bands of their contemporaries m might have taken. Um, I don't know. It's, it also seems that in different parts of the world they, they've had different periods of success. Like uh, in the UK, they're mainly known for their 1970s out, output, uh, especially the the first three records that they did in the UK. Uh, uh, they, they worked with. Uh, Muff Winwood and Tony Visconti. Then, in the early '80s, they seemed to have a, a certain degree of success in California, where they became like a, almost like a college rock radio band over there. And then in the '90s, they became a big band in uh, in France and in Germany, whereas they weren't so popular in the UK and back in the US. I don't know. It just seems that they've they've evolved in in their odd particular path over the years, and seem to be quite happy doing so as well. I, I don't think they were necessarily ever striving for worldwide domination. They they just wrote the way that they did and performed the way that they did, and. Uh, didn't make any attempt to compromise that to fit any particular audience. Yeah, they seem content with what they're doing, and I think it's it's it's. I I don't want to put too fine a point on this, but I I think it's rather admirable for you to not only talk about Sparks but work with them. I think because it's beneficial to you artistically as well. Oh, it, it, artistically, it's always good to uh, collaborate with people you find inspiring, and and, and I, I mean. Ron and Russell could have any history behind them. They could be a, a new band of guys who are in their late teens, and it, it, or they could be like like they are now, like seventy and sixty-seven, and with this large career behind them. It's it's the mind behind it which is really what's important, yeah. and um, uh, it, it's been great working with them. And I, I feel the same about the, the other three guys in Franz Ferdinand as well. It's I'm very very lucky to have collaborated with these musicians who I, I, I get on really well with and enjoy it. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes you can, you, you can sort of cut through all the hyperbole and get to the most important fact that it's, it's, it's got to be enjoyable. You've got to have a good laugh while you're doing it. It's yeah. got to turn you on, you know. I was watching the Glastonbury Festival performance by FFS. Uh, which mm. is, it's on YouTube and people can watch it if they like. I was struck by the dynamic between you and Russell on stage because he seems so manic and you seem relatively and I think uncharacteristically 
com. How has your performance <laughs> mode shifted from Franz Ferdinand to FFS? <laughs> it's, it's definitely a little different. You know, um, I, one thing, I, I don't really play the guitar so much in FFS. It's more performing as a singer. I've really enjoyed that. Um, I've also enjoyed singing with Russell. And I think... It's not often you get a band that has two frontmen like this or two lead singers. Um, the only bands we were, we were sort of thinking of were things like ABBA, you know? Like, mm. <laughs> um, and it, it was fun. It, I think it worked because our personalities go well together. We get on together off stage as well as on stage. And so you know, I think that, that made it a little easier. Uh, and also the, the fact that even in the most obvious sense, our vocal ranges are, are quite different from each other. And, and quite often in the performance, um, Russell is singing an octave above where I'm singing. So I'm maybe singing a little lower than I would in my normal range, and he's singing right at the top of his range. And then sometimes we cross over. And yeah, it's it's, it's been a good laugh. Nice. And we didn't, know it was, we didn't know it was going to work until we tried it as well. And, uh, and, and immediately it clicked. And even when we were in the studio, we were singing with the, the two of us side by side, like, like literally sort of like a, an arm's breadth away from each other, both uh, singing live together. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a remarkable thing. Uh, given the earlier conversation about secrecy and planning, I don't know how much I'm going to get out of you by asking you simply <laughs> what, what's next for you. Uh, for for FFS perhaps, and for also for Franz Ferdinand. I wasn't sure what you had planned for Franz Ferdinand before FFS, but can you speak to any of that? The future? Well, you know, you know, like, like, like I said earlier, we we had no idea where the, this this project was going to take us. Uh, we had no idea what was going to happen with it, and I love that feeling. And uh, I've still got no idea where it's going to go. I know we're going to end up in North America and <laughs> play some shows. After that, I'm not really sure. Let, let's just wait and see what happens. All right, that sounds fair to me. Once again, the self-titled debut by FFS is a tremendous one. It's out now via Domino Records, and their world tour brings them to Toronto's Phoenix on September 30th. For more information, please visit ffsmusic.com. Now, Alex, is there a song from this new record that we can go out on? Sure. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, there's a song called Police Encounters, and uh, that was the first song w- that I heard back. We'd sent over some music to Ron and Russell, and then they sent it back, and they'd put a vocal melody on top, and we then added to that vocal melody. And it, it was the first song that really went back and forwards, and it was the first time that I heard something, and I thought, wow, that sounds like both bands and like neither band simultaneously. It sounded like something new, yet we could recognize what all of the elements were that were making it up. And it was a really exciting moment. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear that song right now. All right, let's go for that. This is Police Encounters by FFS. Alex, it's a pleasure to speak with you, and I, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for making this band. It's great. Oh, no, cheers. Thank you very much, and uh, see you over there. Be a bastard, not a long I've got eyes. 
There you have it. I hope you enjoyed those conversations with uh, Russell Mail and, and Alex Capranos of the new band FFS. Go check out that record if you haven't uh, picked it up yet. I've been telling everyone. It's really fantastic. What do I need to tell you about right now? Not much. The Drive Like Jehu documentary that I've been working on has uh, been completed but needs some tinkering and fine-tuning and all that stuff. So I'm going to work on that just as soon as I am able. It's been a bit busy around here. So, yeah, that's the one of the next best uh, next big things. I'm not sure who else is going to be on the show sometime soon. Well, Eugene Merman's going to be on the show. Do you know Eugene Merman, comedian? One of the voice actors of the uh, show Bob's Burgers. He's coming up at some point soon. And then I don't know what else. I can't remember. I just can't remember right now. Here's what I do remember. If you want to, you can subscribe and like and review this show on iTunes. You can do similar things on Audio Boom. You can go to patreon.com to make a flexible monthly donation to this show to keep it going. You can also uh, go there to view t-shirts that we have for sale pertaining to the show. You can like the Facebook page for Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative. You can listen to the show or a version of the show every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. Go to uh, CFRU.ca for more information about that. And that is it. Or you can go to vishkana.com. That's another thing you can do. So those are some things you can do. All right. Talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.